I get a few comments about the music I use at the start of the podcast. Today we had Nocienne Number no. 1 by French composer Eric Satie, arranged for cello. Last week, Nocienne 3 for piano. We have six stories today, and the first is An Old Friend. I'm nearly 50, and by the time I'd reached my early 20s, I was of the opinion there was nothing to life but what we could see or touch, nothing more. I met a kid in the sixth grade, Todd, and we remained friends throughout high school. He was probably the most genuine human being I've ever met. We lost touch when we left school, and when I was around 19, I bumped into a mutual friend who told me Todd had died in a house fire. He'd gone back in to rescue his siblings, and the roof collapsed on him. I couldn't believe it. He was the first person other than an elderly family member I knew who had passed. Fast forward four or five years, and I was in my car, heading to a friend's house who lived in the same neighbourhood where the fire happened. I noticed a guy about a hundred yards ahead of me and walking toward me. He was wearing jeans and a hoodie and had his head down as he walked. But there was something about the way he walked that reminded me of Todd. As I drew nearer, I felt something wasn't right. I didn't know what exactly, just something. Then he raised his head and looked at me. It was Todd, and his face was glowing a very vivid green. I was in shock. I just took my foot off the gas and coasted to a stop. Then I looked behind me but he had gone. I sat there for a few seconds, trying to get my head around it. Then I got out of the car and had a good look around. He wasn't there and there was really nowhere he could have gone. About a week before it happened, I had a conversation with a friend and I gave him my reasons for being an atheist. I truly believe Todd was on that road to let me know there is something else, something more to life than what we see or touch. 
my entire outlook on life changed dramatically that night. If you're a Patreon supporter and you haven't received your gift yet, it will be because I don't have your mailing address. But if you email me with it or message me on the Patreon page, I'll sort it out. This next one is The Hell Hound. I was doing freelance building work and was working on an old house. I could feel the negative energy from the curb the first time I pulled up to the house. When we walked through, the feeling intensified, but I needed the money. It started off with small things. I'd find lights on that I knew I'd turned off, and my tools would go missing only to turn up in odd places. I tried to ignore it, but it seemed determined to get my attention. I'd be working alone in the house, and here, or in another room, but I continued to play it cool, working through that dense negative energy, telling myself the house had a draft, faulty wiring, and really big mice. I finally finished the work, and was getting my tools together to leave. I'd become accustomed to the feeling of being watched. But on that last day, I felt something was focusing on me with everything it had. As I walked through the living room, I passed the hallway and glanced down to double check I'd turned off every light and saw something I didn't want to believe. At the very end of the hallway, maybe 30 feet away, sat a huge black dog. It was massive. My head would easily have fit inside its mouth. I don't know how, but I somehow managed to act as though I hadn't seen it and calmly continued to the front door. Despite every hair on my body standing on end and my heart pumping like a V8, I wanted to run, but two weeks in that house had given me time to think about these things. I opened the door, then stopped, turned around and said, Nothing is welcome to follow me. (sighs) 
I drove home and made the decision not to tell my wife about it. I didn't want her to worry. Later that night, my wife and I were both fast asleep in bed. Suddenly, I was torn from my sleep by my wife's terrified. <gasps> In the first split second of waking, I saw my wife sitting up in bed. Then, I turned and looked at where she was looking. Standing in the doorway was the massive black dog. This thing seemed even bigger than when I saw it at the house. It barely fit in the door frame. It opened its huge mouth and a low, menacing rumble filled the room. <laughs> then, it took a couple of steps toward the bed and disappeared. When I finally got my wife to calm down, it's okay, it's gone. I told her about the incident at the house. Then she told me something. She said earlier in the day, she looked out the kitchen window into the backyard and saw a man right at the back of the property, standing next to a tree. She felt an instant fear that went beyond an intruder on the property. She reached across for her phone to call the police. And when she looked out the window again, just a second later, the man had gone. But walking away from the tree was the biggest, blackest dog she'd ever seen. I assumed the dog was with the man. She took my hand, then looked me in the eye and said, But now I believe the dog was the man. I wanted to tell her that it wasn't so, that it wasn't possible. But I couldn't. The words wouldn't come. Story number three is The Fourth Friend. I've been driving for Uber for a couple of years now. I got a job to pick some people up in the downtown area of the city. I pulled up. And four men approached my car. Are you here for James? 
Yep. One of them got into the front passenger seat, while the other three sat in the back. The ride was pretty quiet. The guy in the front seat didn't speak, and occasionally there was a bit of quiet conversation from two of the guys in the back. When I got to their hotel, I turned on the interior light so the back passengers could make sure they got everything. But as I turned round, there was only two guys in the back seat. The guy in the middle had gone and no one had opened a door. The two guys in the back got out and I turned to the man in the front seat and told him I'd seen a fourth passenger. He laughed and asked me if I'd been drinking. I assured him I was sober. All right, what did this guy look like? I described him in detail, right down to the red baseball cap and the unusual crucifix around his neck. His demeanor changed as he explained I'd just described his friend. He and the other two guys were in town to attend the funeral of their fourth friend. It's a bit early, but our next one is a Halloween story titled Who Goes There? I used to work as a bartender on a military base and one of the most memorable nights we ever had was last Halloween. We'd gone all out with decorations, including a pirate skeleton perched on a barrel. Whenever someone passed by, it would start laughing, lift a bottle to its mouth and spout pirate sayings. It was after closing time and I was alone in the bar. I'd finished cleaning up and had switched off all the decorations and locked all the doors. Just as I thought everything was in order, a strange sensation made the hairs on the back of my neck stand on end. Then I heard. <coughs> I turned round to see who it could be in what I was positive was a locked bar. Then the skeleton had sprung to life as if someone had walked past it. I knew I had turned it off and I knew there was no one else in the bar. 
I walked over to the skeleton. And it was still turned off. I took out the batteries. Then went back to the bar to count the till. feeling of being watched crept over me. I finally finished with the till count and was ready to leave. I got to the employee exit, opened the door and turned the lights off. Then... <laughs> this next one is another fictional story. And with apologies to Thomas Wolfe, it's called You Can't Go Home Again. This remains the strangest thing that's ever happened to me. And I dare say, one of the strangest things that's ever happened to anyone. I left home for the first time when I started college and after the first year, I came home for the holidays. I arrived in the afternoon and noticed my dad had finally got around to painting the house. As I was getting the gifts out of the car, I saw a little girl playing in the backyard and wondered who was visiting. The front door opened and I looked up expecting to see my mum. But instead... Can I help you? I'm Jackson. I've come home for the holidays. Okay. But why are you here? Um, who are you? I live here. It seemed unlikely my parents would sell the house without telling me, but I couldn't think of any other explanation. How long have you lived here? Six or seven years. I looked around. Maybe I'd turned into the wrong street and stopped in front of an identical looking house, as unlikely as that seemed. Are you okay? Then, the next door neighbor came out of his house. Hey, Mr. Lakeham, did my parents move? He walked over to the fence. Young man, I don't mean to be rude, but I don't know your parents. What? How do you know my name? Is there someone I can call? 
Good idea, I thought. Jackson. Hi, Mom. Are you nearly here? I'm not sure. Where are you? We're at home. Where else would we be? And by home, do you mean 24 Basing Hall Street? Jack, are you all right? Yeah, sure. I'm fine. Well, hurry up. It's nearly dinner time. I'm sorry. Are you sure you're okay? I got back in my car. And just drove. As I tried desperately to comprehend what just happened. Everything from a time slip to alternate dimension went through my head. I even asked, Am I dead? I drove around in circles for around 10 minutes, then decided to head back to my parents' house, hoping that woman hadn't called the cops. The house was back to its old colour, so I got out and tried again. I got halfway down the path and then... Hey, Jackie. Oh, thank God. It's good to have you back home. Yeah, it is. It really is. I didn't tell my parents what happened. I mean, how could I? We have one more. A story about a road trip called Three Strange Things. And I'll see you next week. In my early 20s, I worked for a car show company. Several times a year, I'd drive from Florida to Kentucky, Tennessee to Georgia. All over the place, really. Often, I'd end up taking some smaller county roads to avoid the highways during rush hour. Three very strange things happened to me while driving, and they all occurred on the same journey. It was late afternoon, and I was on the interstate. Turn left at the next exit. It was nothing but farmland, but I had learned to trust the GPS shortcuts, so I turned onto the side road. I'd been cruising for about five minutes when an old Mustang came up behind me, flashing their lights. They rode my bumper for about 15 minutes, despite me pulling over as far as I could to let them pass. I looked in my mirror again, and I couldn't see the other car. So I turned around 
thinking it was in my mirror's blind spot, but there were no other cars behind me, and there were no turn-offs. I kept going, and finally got back onto the interstate at the exact same exit I'd taken to get off. I told myself I'd driven in a big circle, but I know I hadn't. It was a long, straight road. I kept driving and was only a couple of hours from home. I turned off the interstate again and onto a county road that led to the highway that my house is on. It was a shortcut I'd taken many times. I grabbed a cigarette, but the lighter had run out. Up ahead, I saw a poorly lit gas station and pulled in. There were two people inside, an old Mimor-looking woman behind the counter and a big old redneck fella on the other side. I went inside and asked the woman for a big lighter. She looked at me like I was from another planet. I tried explaining I just wanted a lighter and she said, Oh, I have matches, if that's what you're looking for. She handed me a box of matches and didn't charge me for them. I thanked her and turned to leave. The whole time, the guy didn't move. He just stood still and stared at me. I got back to my car and the exact moment I started the engine, every light in the gas station turned off. Inside, outside, the pumps and even the street lights. It was pitch black, except for my headlights. I kept that box of matches for years to solidify in my mind that it really happened. And every time I went back on that county road, I searched for that gas station, but I never saw it again. I started thinking of my bed. I'd been on the road for three days. Then I saw a blue flash in my mirror. Oh great, just what I need. They kept their distance. So instead of stopping, I just slowed down a bit and the cop car matched my speed. I wasn't sure what to do, but I thought I'd better stop. So I pulled over to the side of the road. 
and the police car, which was about a hundred yards behind me, stopped as well. I was starting to feel like a character in a Stephen King novel. After about 30 very nervous seconds, the cop car started moving. It came up behind me, then swerved out and blew right past me. So fast, I didn't get a very good look at it. It wasn't until I got home when I realised what had been bugging me about that cop car. Instead of an LED bar light on the roof, it had one of those old-fashioned rotating lights. Soon after, I quit travelling with the car show company. It was seven years ago, and I still hate driving by myself. And no matter what the GPS may say, I stay on highways and interstates. Turn right at the next exit. Turn right. Nope, not today. <laughs>